0: The question from Mr. Vinay is, quote, How to be more deeply involved in manana? Shravana seems easy, but not manana. What are the hints to sink down in reflection? Unquote. Manana is actually easy. That is relatively straightforward. It's deep manana. It's possibly we don't do manana deeply enough, but manana is actually very natural. When we read anything, unless we read it extremely superficially, we try to understand what we're reading. The effort to understand, to assimilate what is meant there is, is manana. But, um, The normal manana, the the manana we do naturally, is often quite superficial. But but what Bhagavan is teaching us is extremely deep. And though, though what Bhagavan teaches us is very simple, it is at the same time very deep and very subtle. So we need to... Think about it very carefully. So, all Manana is, is thinking about it and trying to understand it, trying to understand it correctly, checking whether, checking within our own mind whether our understanding is correct. Um, For example, Bhagavan says one thing in one place, he says another thing in another place. Uh, uh, do we understand what is the connection between these things? Do we understand how all these fit together? Because all of Bhagavan's teachings are a coherent whole, so everything fits in with everything else if we understand it correctly. So, thinking about what Bhagavan says here, what he says there, and the 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 key to understanding Bhagavan properly is to understand, but. Whatever he teaches us, he's teaching it for one purpose and one purpose alone. That is Bhagavan's aim is for is the annihilation of ego. And ego can be annihilated. Ego is a false awareness of ourself. So in order to annihilate ego, we must be aware of ourself as we actually are. In other words, false awareness can be destroyed only by correct awareness. But false awareness is the awareness, I am this person, I am this body, I am um, Michael, or I am whoever. If we all have a, that, is whatever name is given to the person we seem to be, we identify with the name and form of this person, this body. Um, that is a false awareness of ourselves. That is what is called avidya. And avidya can be removed only by vidya. Vidya doesn't mean just uh, what we learn from books. Vidya means we correct awareness of ourself, awareness of ourself as we actually are. So all Bhagavan's te- so and in order to be aware of ourself as we actually are, we need to attend to ourself, we need to investigate ourself. So all Bhagavan's teachings, the, the central aim of all of Bhagavan's teachings is to direct our attention back to ourself. So if we understand this, then we can begin to understand Bhagavan's teachings in context. What actually is he pointing at and how each particular teaching is connected with this one central point of turning our attention back to ourselves. That is the aim of all of Bhagavan's teachings. So thinking about these things carefully and trying to understand that is what manana is. In order for our manana to become deeper, we need to actually put it into practice. That is, sravana, manana, nidityasana, they are all, they are three parts of one process. And it's not a process, it's not a a linear process. It's not first we do sravana, then we do manana, then we do nidityasana, and that's the end of it. No. Um, But it's a It's an iterative process. That means it it repeats itself, and we go round and round and round, so to speak. That is, when we read Bhagavan's teachings first, we understand something. We try and think about it, and we understand a little bit. But then we have to try to put it into practice. When we put it into practice, we will gain more clarity from within. And then when we read again, We'll we'll see, we'll understand more deeply what Bhagavan is saying, the more we are able to see what he's saying, the more deeply we'll be able to think about it, the manana, and so the deeper we'll be able to go in our practice. So sravana manana nidityasana, these should should be going on throughout our life. That is, what is most important of all is the practice, the nidityasana. That means turning our attention back towards ourselves. In order to understand what is meant by self-investigation, what is meant by self-attentiveness, we have to understand Bhagavan's teachings correctly. The deeper and more subtle our understanding is, of the teachings is, the deeper and more subtle our understanding of the practice will be. So, um, the, the reflection that goes on in, in, the, in, um, in the manana, um, when manana part of the process, that is thinking deeply about it, it may seem to be just a, um, a conceptual understanding, but actually manana is about more than a conceptual understanding. We need to actually see the truth in what Bhagavan says. We need to recognize when, for example, Bhagavan says. If ego comes into existence, everything comes into existence. If ego doesn't exist, everything doesn't exist. That's what he says in Ula verse 26. But is this just mere words, or do we actually understand what he means? What what actually is Bhagavan saying there? If we think about it, this is actually our experience. Only we, we rise and stand as ego during waking and dream. In sleep, ego ceases to exist albeit only on a temporary basis but so long as we rise and stand as ego we're aware of um, so many other things we are aware of the world and um, the mind and our thoughts and emotions and so on and so forth they, everything all phenomena appear only when we rise as ego when we don't rise as ego is in sleep we're not aware of anything other than our own being so we we can we can begin to recognise the truth on what Bhagavan says. We need to actually see it in our own experience. Um, but it's actually even more than that. It's just as, as we go deeper and deeper in the practice, we will we will just recognise more and more uh, clearly what Bhagavan is saying. Um, so this, the manana though. Initially, it's just trying to understand the concepts, trying to understand what Bhagavan has taught us conceptually, but it's also about seeing more deeply what actually he means. So, truly speaking, though we talk of srabana, manana, nitityasana, the the boundaries between these are not so clear. That is if we are read, if we are doing the sravana, if we're reading properly, we'll be thinking about it while reading it. So the, the, there's an overlap between the sravana and manana. And if we're doing the manana correctly, it will automatically be drawing our attention back to ourselves. So there's an overlap there. Even between the sravana and the nidityasana, there's an overlap, because if we're really paying attention to what Bhagavan is saying, that will turn our attention back to ourselves. So, this, this process of sravana, manana, nidityasana, it's actually a very natural process. Even when we're learning world, something, some worldly thing, like we're studying at college or something, studying some subject, we don't just read the books. We read them and we think about them, we try to understand what is said there. And... Um, If it's a more practical subject, we try to put it into practice. And when we try to put it into practice, then we come across difficulties and we go back to read some more and then we understand some more. So this is a natural process of learning. So um, the the question is how to be more deeply involved in manana. Um, uh, Sravana seems easy, but not manana. What are the hints to sink deep in reflection? that is the manana will come naturally to us to the extent that we're really interested if we when we read bhagavan's teachings if we're really interested in what he's saying if we really want to understand what bhagavan is, is pointing at the manana will come naturally to us um and if if we are Doing the sravana without manana, we are not really doing the sravana properly. Because merely reading things, we can't understand merely by reading it. We have to, we have to think about it. Try to understand what is meant there. What is Bhagavan actually? What's he mean, what he means? What do these words point at? But ultimately, the subject Bhagavan is talking about is an extremely subtle subject. The words cannot adequately express what Bhagavan is talking about. So Bhagavan's words are pointers. We need to understand what is being pointed at. So, and the, the most effective way to deepen our manana is to put it into practice, because when we're putting it into practice, that's when we're doing the Nidityasana, Nidityasana means deep contemplation. It, it, that, that implies deep contemplation on ourselves, on our own being. When we're meditating on ourselves, when we're contemplating ourselves, we are attending to the original source of light, the the original light, the light of pure awareness that is always shining in our heart as I am. So the, the true clarity comes from within. So the deeper we go in the practice, the more our mind is being purified and clarified. And then thereby we'll have a we'll be able to see more clearly what it is Bhagavan means. And so so the sravana and the manana will become deep to the extent to which we go deep in the practice. And to the extent that our sravana and manana become deep, that will push us still deeper in the practice. So this is actually the three are they they go hand in hand and they are uh, they are there, it's a natural process. When when we read something, we try to understand it. We, when we understand it, we try to put it into practice. We try to, to 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 not just understand it conceptually, but see it from our own experience. Trying to see it from our own experience is nididhyasana. Bhagavan is talking so much about this "I." What is this "I"? What is uh, uh, that? That is. I, in its pure condition, is our own being. I, when it's mixed and conflated with adjuncts, it's ego. So Bhagavan has, ta- has taught us so much about the nature of I and the nature of uh, this adjunct mixed uh, uh, I called e- ego. So we need to understand these things from our own experience by looking deep within. So, um it's very difficult to give a single answer to a question like this. The main thing is if you are really interested in what you're reading, you will naturally be doing manana because you'll naturally be trying to understand it. And the deeper you go in the practice, the deeper your manana will also become. So I I hope this is it's probably not an adequate answer, but I hope it's at least pointing you in the right direction. Um, Vinay, I hope this is uh, an answer that you find useful um, and that you're able to apply in your own life. So now I will begin to talk about um, Upadesha Saram, which is the main subject for today. Oh, and by the way Vinay, if you want to ask any further questions, you can ask the questions and I can come to them after I've finished talking about the verses. Um, So uh, last time I I spoke about um, verses, I think, if I remember correctly, 24, 25 and 26. So this time I'm going to be um, taking up 27 onwards. But before I proceed any further with 27, I just want to put all these this sequence of verses in context. We need to understand what is... Um, what Bhagavan is, uh, what, what is the central point Bhagavan is is talking about in these verses. That is, in verse 19, Bhagavan is describing the practice of, of self-investigation and what happens when we investigate ourselves. That is, the basic meaning is, uh, by investigating from where this I rises, I falls down. Uh, this is uh, 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 self-investigation. That is, aham ayam kutta bhavati chimvata ayipati aham nijavicharanam. That means by investigating from where this eye rises, this eye means ego, I uh, falls down. This is self-investigation. So there he's talking about the practice of self-investigation. Then in the next verse, verse 20, he talks about what happens when this I falls down. I falling down means I is annihilated. So in the next um, verse, he says, Ahamin nasa baji," on I be undergoing annihilation. In other words, when ego is annihilated, um, "Aham aham taya," spiritually, the heart uh, shines forth spontaneously as I am I. Uh, uh, paramapurnasat, This is the supreme whole reality. So when when ego dies, what remains uh, and becomes clear when ego dies is the underlying reality, our true identity, uh, the heart, which shines as I am I. That is, ego is the false awareness. I am this body. I am this or I am that is ego. But the pure awareness, I am. Is not aware of itself as anything other than itself. So Bhagavan expresses it as Aham Aham. I, I, I am I, that that means. Um, and this is Paramapurna Sat. um Sat means it's supreme. Purna means it's whole in, in the sense it's infinite, it's got, uh, the entirety of everything Sat existence. So this is the totality of all existence. This is what actually exists. That which, the heart, that which shines forth as I am I when ego dies, that is Paramapurnasat. So um, here he's talking about, this is the, the, the revelation of our real nature so from verse 21 onwards he's talking about what our real nature is he's talking he's elaborating upon what he says here about our real nature so our real nature is what shines forth as i am i in the next verse he says um this is what the word i always refers to um, I'll, I'll read the Tamil because Tamil is a bit uh, the, the, the wordy in Tamil is a bit clearer to me. Nānenum undipara, me That literally means that that is referring to what he spoke about in the previous verse, the heart, which shines forth as I am I, which is the paramapurna That is at all times the import or substance of the word called I. That is what the word I actually refers to. is only that, um, that fundamental, the heart, the, the fundamental awareness that shines forth as I am I when ego dies. That is what the word I always refers to. Why? Because of the, the, the literal meaning, is because of the exclusion of our non-existence, even in sleep, which is devoid of I. That means in when he says sleep is devoid of I, he means not that we don't exist there, but that ego doesn't exist there. But though ego doesn't exist in sleep, we don't cease to exist. So that is what he refers to as the exclusion of our non-existence. <inaudible> because the exclusion of our non-existence, even in sleep, which is devoid of I, that means we, when we, re- when we use the word I usually, we are referring to the person we seem to be. Why do we take this person to be I? Because of the ego. Ego is that false awareness, I am this person. But this person is not what we actually are, nor is the ego, ego which is aware of itself as I am this person, even that is not what we actually are, because that is absent in sleep, but we don't cease to exist in sleep. So we are that which is beyond ego. So Bhagavan is uh, what we actually are, what we what shines alone in sleep is that Paramapurnasat, the, the heart, the, the fundamental awareness, but knows itself as just as I am I. And then having said what we are, what we are not. Uh, sorry, what we are in that verse 21. In verse 22, he then concludes what we are not. Uh, Basically, in verse 22, he refers to the five sheaves. Since the body, mind, intellect, life and darkness, that's the five sheaves, are all jada and asat, they are not I, which is sat. So so all this this body, mind, intellect, life, and darkness, that's the five sheaths, they're all jada. That's they have no awareness of their own, and they are also asat, they have no existence of their own. They seem to exist only in the view of ego, but they don't actually exist. What actually exists is only I, the, the, the pure I. So that's why Bowman said, they're not I, which is sat. Uh, in Tamil he says, Satana Nanala, they are not I, which is sat. In in the Sanskrit version, he says, um uh Hendriya Pranadi Tama, that's for five She's Na aham, are uh, not I um sat tat jadam he asat, that means uh, uh, are not I for one existence because that is uh, non-aware and non-existent. It is jada and it's asat, Um, whereas I is ekasat, the one existent. The one thing that actually exists is only I. Um, So Bhagavan has said what we actually are and what we are not. But then he goes deeper into the subject in verse 23. In verse 23, what he says is, because of the non-existence of any awareness other than what exists, to be aware of what exists, what exists is awareness. That is, if if um, if there were, if we say, but what exists? The term he uses in Tamil is Ulladu, In Sanskrit, he uses the term uh, uh, sattva. uh sattva means the, the, what actually exists. If 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 the awareness that knows what exists were something other than what exists, it would be a non-existent awareness. So, that awareness cannot be other than what exists. And what exists cannot be other than the awareness, because if what exists were something other than awareness, it would then be an object of awareness, in which case it would depend on awareness for its seeming existence. So, because of the non-existence of any awareness other than what exists, to be aware of what exists, What exists is awareness. Uluju unavahum. he says in Tamil. In Sanskrit, he says satya hichit. But existence itself is awareness. What shines as existence is awareness, uh, is the implication. Um, And then he concludes that verse. In Tamil, he says, unave namai ulam. Awareness alone exists as we. And in Sanskrit, he says, um, Chittaya hi aham. That is, as awareness is certainly I. That means what exists as awareness is certainly I. So, again, Bhagavan is, is pointing out what we actually are. We are what actually exists, and we are also the awareness of what actually exists. In other words, we are satchit. We, we are not this body, which, or any of these five sheaths, as he said in the previous verse, because they are jada and asat. What we are, is only the sat and chit. We are that which actually exists and that which is aware. Um, so he, he, he points out, but our real nature is such chit, just pure being, pure awareness. Um, and that pure being and pure awareness are one and the same thing. Then in verse 24, he says, um, uh, <coughs> in their existing nature, God and soul are one; are only one substance. Uh, that is, we, what we actually are is it. And that is what God actually is. That is what he means in Tamil. He says, Irikum That means it, in our existing nature, or in our nature as existence. Um, um, he, uh, how he says it in, Sam, in Sanskrit is, satsvabhata, by existence nature, a on that their substance is one. That means the substance of God and soul are one. Um, but so, why do we seem to be something separate from God? Only because of we are aware of ourselves having adjuncts. That the, that the adjunct that we mistake to be ourselves, or our awareness of the adjunct that we mistake to be ourselves, namely the the five sheaths, the body, mind, etc. Um, this is what Bhagavan refers to as adjunct awareness. Um, why does he just why does he refer to it in Tamil as adjunct awareness, Upadi Unavu, rather than just upadi? Because the the adjuncts are nothing but a false awareness. That is the this body, life, mind, intellect, and will, the five sheaths do not exist independent of our awareness of them. So it's it's the awareness we have of them. Uh, but but is what makes us, and because we take them to be ourselves, that that is what makes it. Um, so it's in other words, it's our awareness. I am this body, but makes us seem to be different from God, though actually in substance, the vastu of the poddle, what we actually are is not other than God. Um, and then in verse twenty five. Uh, so since we and God are one in substance, what makes us seem different is only view parties. So how can we know God as he actually is? This is what Bhagavan answers in verse 25. Knowing oneself, leaving aside adjuncts, is itself knowing God because uh, because of shining as oneself. That means because God, shine, because God is what shines as ourself, as what we actually are, knowing ourself without adjuncts is knowing God. Because we and God are one substance. It's only the adjuncts that seem to separate us. So if we see ourselves without adjuncts, in other words, if we see ourselves as just I am, right now we are seeing ourselves as I am this person, I am this body. That is a false awareness of ourselves, because that's an adjunct mixed awareness. But if we see ourselves without adjuncts, that means seeing ourselves as just I am. That is seeing God, because God is what shines as ourself. That is what's always shining in our heart as I am, that is God. So, all these verses, Bhagavan is, is indicating what we actually are. And in this verse 25, he talks about knowing ourselves, knowing ourselves without adjuncts. Or in Sanskrit, he says, uh, seeing ourselves, swapma darshanam. Uh, in Sanskrit, what he says is, Vesha uh, giving up the, the costume, in other words, giving up the upadis, the adjuncts. Seeing one's own self is seeing God. dashanam uh, means seeing one's self, or seeing one's own self. That is seeing God. Swapmarupataha, but because God is our own uh I means God is in the form of our own self, or because He is the form of our own self. In other words, He's atmaswarupa. He's our own real nature. Um. And then, so in this verse, he's in Tamil. He talks about knowing ourselves. In Sanskrit, he talks about seeing ourselves. But what does he mean by knowing ourselves or seeing ourselves? That is what he clarifies in verse twenty-six. Because we are not an object, uh, we we cannot, we can never know ourselves as an object. Since we are not an object, we cannot, when we know an object, knowing an object is an act of knowing. But knowing ourselves, we can't know ourselves like we know other things. We can't know ourselves by an act of knowing. We know ourselves just by being ourselves because what we actually are is just awareness, and awareness doesn't need to do anything to know itself. That is the idea in verse 26. So, what he says in verse 26 in Tamil, he says, Tanai irritale tanai aridalam. Uh, um, that means uh seeing being oneself alone is knowing oneself, uh because oneself is devoid of two. In other words, we are not two different things, one self to know another self. This is Tanmayanishta. And in the Sanskrit version he says, um Atma Samstatihi, being oneself uh swapmadashanam. That is uh, being oneself is seeing oneself, one's own self. Uh atma nidvaya, because oneself is uh, is. Uh, is not being two; it's devoid of uh, of ness There's not uh, we we cannot know ourselves as an object because we can't. If we to know ourselves as an object, we'd have to split ourselves in two. One half of ourselves a subject to know; the other half of ourselves an object. But obviously, we cannot be split. We cannot we we cannot divide ourselves as subject and object. So we can know ourselves only by being ourselves. That's the idea in this verse. So this is where we came up to last time. So since he's he since he's talking here about, uh, but no, he, what he, the main message here is that knowing ourselves is nothing but being ourselves. So in the next verse, he talks more about the nature of real knowledge. Real knowledge means the knowledge of ourselves as we actually are, and what he says in this verse. In the Tamil version, he says, Arivu ariyameyum Atra Arive Arivahum. That means the only the awareness that is devoid of awareness and ignorance is awareness. He puts in it very, very succinctly. So what does this mean? What the the Arivu Ariyameyum, that means awareness and ignorance or knowledge and ignorance, that is referring to knowledge or awareness of other things and ignorance of other things so that that pure awareness that is completely devoid of knowledge or ignorance about anything other than itself that alone is real knowledge is the implication and then he says this is very this is true or this is this is the truth or this is the reality or this is what is real um why there is not anything for knowing. That is, when we know ourselves as we actually are, we will know ourselves as pure awareness. In the view of, clear view of pure awareness... There is nothing other than itself. Why? Because pure awareness alone is what actually exists. Everything else, all phenomena, appear only in the view of ego, the false awareness, I am this body. So when we remove ego and know ourselves as we actually are, by being ourselves as we actually are, that is a state devoid of any knowledge or ignorance of anything else. Uh, So that is the pure awareness, the awareness that is, why why is there no knowledge of anything else? Because in that state of pure awareness, there's not anything for knowing. Everything else appears only in the view of ego, which is the adjunct mixed awareness I am this body. When ego is eradicated and the pure awareness I am alone remains, then there's nothing other than that for it to know. That is the idea. In the Sanskrit version, what he says is um jnana bhajita agnana hina chit jnanam That means uh, uh, uh awareness, chit, uh, which is uh devoid of knowledge, jnana vajita, and bereft of ignorance, um hina is knowledge it's here knowledge is used in the sense of awareness so we can we if we t- translate both uh, jnana and chit if we translate both as awareness because that's what they both imply it's the the meaning is awareness devoid of awareness and bereft of ignorance is awareness it's the real awareness so in other words the pure awareness alone is the real awareness the awareness that is knows anything other than itself or is ignorant of anything other than itself, that is not the real awareness. That is ego. It's ego that knows other things. And because we know other things, we know But there are so many things we don't know. Um, the more we know, the more we know we don't know. So knowledge and ignorance both exist only for ego. In in uh, sleep, when ego subsides, all knowledge and ignorance comes to an end. And then what remains shiny is the pure awareness I am. Um, and then he concludes the verse in Sanskrit by saying, "asti kim yatam antara. antaram?" That means, is there another to know? In other words, is there anything other than ourselves to know? In the state of pure awareness, there is nothing other than ourselves to know. This is a very, very important verse, and this verse is so important that the central idea of this verse is so important. But he repeats the same idea in verse uh, 12 of Napdu. The, the, the first sentence of verse 12 of Ulludunapadu is almost identical to the, uh, first, um, to the first sentence in uh, of this verse 27 in Upadesha Undia Upadesha Saram. That's what he says is, Arivu ariyameyum atradu arivam, arivu ame. That means what is devoid of knowledge and ignorance is actually knowledge. Or what is devoid of knowledge and ignorance, it's actually awareness. Uh, that the real awareness, the, the, uh, the actual awareness is only that awareness which is devoid of knowledge and ignorance. And then he goes on to say, Arium ad, adu unme aribu ahadu, that which knows is not real knowledge what he means by that which knows that which knows anything other than itself is not real knowledge that is the real knowledge is pure awareness pure awareness never knows anything other than itself it it does know itself but not in the sense that of knowing other things it knows itself just by being itself because it is pure awareness and then he says um Aridaku Ari Indrai Olivadal ari bahum. That means since it or since one shines without another for knowing or for causing to know, oneself is knowledge. One self, in other words, oneself is the pure awareness. Um uh parandru, uh, one is not a void. Well what we actually are is not a void. Ari, know this. So this is such an important idea, but he's repeated it both in Upadesha India and in Uludunaptu. Upadesha India he composed about, I think, about April 1927, and just over a year later, in July-August 1928, he composed Uludunaptu. But this is such an important idea, he he repeated it again. He repeated it in, when he composed Uludunapdu. He elaborated it upon it a little. So, why is this so important? Because knowledge and ignorance of anything other than ourselves, firstly, it's a dyad, it's a pair of opposites. And secondly, it, the knowledge and ignorance of other things appears only in the view of ego. It's only ego that knows things other than itself, and because it knows some things other than itself, it knows there are so many things that it doesn't know, um, or it seems to it that there are so many things it doesn't know. But in the state of pure awareness, ego is absent, so all knowledge and ignorance of other things is also absent, um, because and so there's nothing other than ourselves to know. That's why he he ends by saying, "asti kim yatam antaram." Is there anything, then, any other to know? Why does Bhagavan say that pure awareness is not only devoid of knowledge of other things; it's also devoid of ignorance of other things? The reason being, we can be said to be ignorant of something only if it exists. Um, If someone invents uh, some piece of history and said there was um there was a major war in 1990 do you know about it we would say no i i know there was no such war we cannot be said to be ignorant of that war because there was no such war actually took place so you can, you can only be said to be ignorant of something if something actually exists if something doesn't exist if, 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 if something that has no existence we can't be said to be ignorant of it so but But in the view of pure awareness, there is nothing other than itself for it to know. Since there's nothing for it to know, there's nothing that it doesn't know. It's true, it doesn't know anything other than itself, but it can't be said to be ignorant of anything other than itself because there's nothing other than itself for it to know. It alone is what actually exists. That's why the the knowledge and ignorance of other things, they're a pair of opposites, they're a dvandva, a dyad, Um, And that, that, so all pairs of opposites seem to exist only in the view of ego. Um, Our real nature, the pure awareness that we actually are, is beyond all pairs of opposites, all all pairs of opposites like existence, non-existence, knowledge, ignorance, awareness, non-awareness, happiness, unhappiness. Um, It's beyond all uh, life, death, uh, Always beyond all such uh, such pairs of opposites um because in its view there's only one thing that exists namely itself and there's nothing nothing else exists at all um as bhagavan said in um in verse um sorry in the first sentence of the seventh paragraph of uh of nana yatata that means what actually exists is only Atmasarupa. Atmasarupa means the real nature of ourself. So what we actually are, which is such it, the pure being, the pure awareness, that alone is what actually exists. Everything else is just an appearance. And to whom does it appear? It appears only to ego. And ego itself is a false appearance. If ego turns its attention back towards itself to see who am I, it will subsident and dissolves back into its source, and it will recognize itself to be pure awareness. But when it recognizes itself to be pure awareness, it ceases to be ego and remains as pure awareness. Just like if we look at, the, if we look at what seems to be a snake, if we look at it carefully enough, we'll see, oh, it's just a rope. When we see that it's a rope, we'll see that there never was a snake there at all. Um, likewise, when we see ourselves as pure awareness, we will know that we were never ego. So e- e- we, we, seem to be ego only so long as we're attending to other things. If we turn our attention back towards ourselves to see who am I, we will see that what we actually are is pure awareness. And therefore there was never ego, any ego. And since everything else appeared only in the view of ego, when we know there's no, e- never was any ego. There never was any uh, anything else. So the the ultimate state, as Bhagavan uh, often pointed out, the ultimate truth, the paramatika satya, is only ajata. Nothing has ever uh, ceased to exist. Uh, na na nirodo. Nothing has has ceased. Why na na upati, But nothing has ever come into existence. This is a verse. Um, in the, in Gaudapada's Mandukya Karika, and also occurs in a couple of minor um, Upanishads. There, not, nothing has ever ceased to exist. There, there, there's no niroda, no uh, cessation, and and there's no upati. There's no coming into existence. There's no there's no one bound, and no one uh, seeking liberation, um, and there's also no one who's attained liberation because what actually exists alone is what it, what is this is paramarthika satya um, so uh so yes yeah, so that that is why bhagavan what, what bhagavan means here so i'll go on to verse 28 now um in, in first i'll read the tamil version and then the sanskrit version what bhagavan says is in um in verse 28 is uh, uh, tanadu il uh, yadu ena uh terihil. If one if one knows what the uh, the uh, the, real, the nature of oneself is um there i in, in Tamil Tanadu it that, that is uh, that is a poetic uh, elongation of tanadu it means one's own Eel means nature. Yadu, what is one's real nature? If one knows what is one's real nature, pin uh, anadi, uh, anan, uh, anadi ananta sat undipara uh kanda chidananda undipara. He splits. He splits up the the the, 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 the sat and um, the chidananda simply for poetic reasons, so if we if we arrange it in uh, anvayam, in, in natural prose order, what Bhagavan is saying here is, uh, tanadu il yadu ena terihil, if one knows what the real nature of oneself is, uh, uh, pin anadi, ananta, akanda, sacchidananda. Uh, an, anadi means beginningless. Ananta means endless or limitless in other words infinite and uh, uh um akanda means um uh akanda is unbroken undivided uh sat chit ananda that is what we actually are um uh so so what Bhagavan is saying here what when we know what we actually well we, we can take this actually in two two we can interpret it in two ways. Because what he says is if one knows what the real nature of oneself is, then anadi, ananta, akanda, sachidananda, we can interpret that in two ways. We can either take it to mean then what will remain. Is only anadi ananta akanda satchidananda, or then what we will know ourselves to be is anadi ananta akanda satchidananda. Both meanings are appropriate and both amount to the same thing. That is, when we know ourselves as we actually are, we alone will remain, and what we actually are is only anadi ananta akanda satchidananda. Anadi, because we have no beginning and also no end. Uh, so it's anadi and ananta. Ananta also means no limit, so it means infinite. So we are infinite. That that is the ananda is in a certain sense we can say it pervades all of time and space. But actually, it is beyond time and space because time and space are limitations. Time and space appear only in the view of ego, which had which is a. a um a false awareness of ourselves. What we actually are is only that anadi ananta akanda Satchidananda. So that, that is the anadi ananta akanda Satchidananda. That is the 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 adhara, the ajastana, the base on which everything else appears. Um and it is akanda. Akanda means it cannot be divided, it cannot be broken. So we, we cannot divide ourselves. Uh, we uh, so that also implies it's immutable. We cannot we we can. Sachidananda can never become anything else. Um, there are certain interpretations of Vedanta, but um, but uh, what are called Parinamavada. They think that Brahman has become all of this, but according to Advaita. Uh, The truth is vivatavada, that is, all this, all this multiplicity is just an appearance. And in whose view does it appear? Only in the view of ego. Without ego, there would be no appearance of multiplicity. So when we know ourselves, ego will be removed. Everything else will be removed along with it. And then what will remain is what we actually are. And what we actually are, our real nature, is Anadi, Ananta, Akanda, Sachidananda. Sat means being or existence. In other words, what actually exists. Chit means the, or we or we can also say for sat is pure being or pure existence. Chit is the pure awareness. That is the awareness that is not aware of anything other than itself. So sat chit is aware of nothing other than sat chit, um, and. Being aware of ourselves as we actually are, that is ananda. So sat is chit, uh, and chit is sat. Sat is ananda, and uh, ananda is sat. Chit is ananda, and uh, ananda is chit. So we, though we use three words. These are three descriptions of one and the same thing, namely our own real nature. Because our real nature is indivisible. So our existence and our awareness cannot be two different things. Because uh, uh, awareness is the very nature of our existence. Awareness is what we actually are. And likewise with happiness, happiness is our very nature. Happiness is not something other than ourselves. We ourselves are the infinite happiness, but we are all uh, seeking. The problem is we're seeking it in the wrong places. So the in the Sanskrit version of this verse what bhagavan says is um uh kim sarupam iti uh, um uh, what it, what is uh, uh swarupa what is one's real nature uh on seeing oneself what is uh, as what is one's real nature iti, it is uh um it's uh, it's a particle which can't really be translated. In some contexts, we can translate it as inverted commas. But here it's not even it's on seeing oneself. Thus, we can take it as thus on seeing oneself. Thus, what is one's real nature? That implies if we investigate what our real nature is and thereby see ourself. Um, uh, uh, a uh, Ababa Apurna Chitsukam uh, a via is imperishable a baba unborn um uh, uh a pūna is full whole uh chit sukham, uh awareness happiness here in because of the, the brevity of the sanskrit meter bhagavan didn't mention uh, sat here but it's implied obviously because uh, uh chi, that is uh, chit is sat and sat is chit. So the, when he talks about chitsukam, the happiness of uh that is awareness, that awareness is is sat. So though sat isn't mentioned explicitly in the Sanskrit, it's implied here. Um uh so the the, the, the words he uses, the abhya. Means immutable or imperishable. That is, it cannot it cannot change in any way. It cannot perish. It cannot decay in any way. Uh, Abhava is um, means unborn. It was ne- it has never taken birth. It did it, it's it has no origin because it's ever existing, and it's a porna, It's the whole. It's the, the infinite whole. Uh, well, Apurna means what is full, whole, or complete, but it implies what is infinite, because only the, the infinite is, is the whole. Um, anything less than the infinite is a part. Um, so, uh, does anyone have any questions about this verse? Uh, sir, I believe a question has come up from Pradeep Kumarji. All oh, right, I see. Should I read it out for the Ye- benefit of the devotees? Yes, please please do. Sure. Uh, Pradeep Kumarji is asking, <clears throat> quote, Can we say Vidya, knowledge, and Avidya, Nisans, are Maya? Also, can you elaborate on Sat and how is it different from Chit? is it related to jada unquote right um, avidya and maya are one and the same thing avidya um avidya means ignorance but what is it that is ignorant what is ignorant is only ego why is ego ignorant that is, it's a vidya, it's a, a very special type of ignorance. Because, as ego, that is vidya is the real awareness. So that has nothing to do with Maya. Vidya, vi, sorry, vidya is our real nature. That what what is called vidya is nothing but the pure awareness. I am. Even when we rise as ego, we don't cease to be aware. I am, but instead of being aware of ourselves as just I am, we're aware of ourselves as I am this person. So that this person or this body, but we take ourselves to be, this is not what we actually are. So being aware of ourselves as I am this body is is a false awareness. So what is called avidya is nothing but the false awareness. I am this body. What we actually are is nothing other than I am. But so long as we take ourselves to be I am this body, we are not experiencing ourselves as we actually are. That is, we never cease to be aware of I am. We, we, we never cease to be aware that I am. That is, we never cease to be aware of our existence. What we what we are ignorant of is our identity. We are we, we fail to be aware of what I am we, because we're aware of ourselves as something other than what we actually are. So that is what is meant by avidya. So avidya, Bhagavan often said, avidya is nothing but ego itself. That is, ego is that false awareness or that which is always aware of itself as I am this body. That is the false awareness. That is what is meant by avidya. And that is maya. There's no maya other than ego. That is Maya is said to have two powers: our uh, varana and vikshepa. Our varana means veiling. What is the veiling? The veiling is nothing but ego itself, because ego is the false awareness. I am this body. That is the adjunct mixed awareness. That is what veils our real nature as the pure I am. Though we're always aware I am, we're not aware of our. I am is our own existence, our own being. We're always aware of our own existence, but we are not aware of ourselves as we actually are because we are aware of ourselves as something other than what we actually are, namely a body. Uh, so that is the Avarana. And as soon as we are aware of ourselves as I am this body, we are consequently aware of so many other things. That awareness of other things. Is vikshapa is the vikshapa means what scattering or or um yeah scattering or or dispersing so uh, our, our awareness becomes scattered as so many objects uh, we we see ourselves as the multiple uh phenomena that constitute this world that is vikshapa so these are the two defining characteristics of ego as ego we are always aware of ourselves as "I am this body," and we are consequently aware of the semi existence of other things. So, all other things seem to exist only in the view of ego, which is itself a false uh, uh, awareness. So, uh, so how to get rid of ego? Since ego is a false awareness, it's an awareness of ourselves as something other than what we actually are. We can. Get rid of this false awareness only by being aware of ourselves as we actually are. As soon as we're aware of ourselves as we actually are, we'll cease to be aware of ourselves as anything else. That is, so long as we don't recognize that it's a rope, the snake seems to be a snake. But as soon as we recognize, oh, it's just a rope, Then the snake ceases to be a snake. So it seems to be a snake only so long as we we don't recognize what it actually is. So when we know ourselves as we actually are, ego will be destroyed. We can never, we can, having known ourselves as the pure I am, we can never know ourselves as anything other than that. Um so the Avidya, and maya are nothing but ego, and ego is a false awareness of ourself. When we know ourself as we actually are, ego will be destroyed, therefore avidya and maya will be destroyed. This is this is one of the ways in which Bhagavan has simplified and clarified the ancient teachings of Advaita, because there's a lot of talk in the ancient texts about avidya and maya and even among the, the followers of shankara there was a, a dispute arose about why, where is the location where is the asraya of of um of avidya of ignorance is it in is it in jiva or is it in brahman and one school said It must be in, uh, it cannot be in Brahman because Brahman cannot be ignorant, so it must be in Jiva. And the other school said no, but the Jiva arises out of ignorance, so it cannot be, it it cannot be in Jiva, so it must be in Brahman. Um, So these are the two major schools among the the post Shankara Advaitins. I think they were called, I've forgotten which was which, the Bharmati school and the Vivarana school. But Bhagavan resolved this dispute very simply. He said, Jiva, Jiva is ego, Jiva is itself avidya. There's no avidya other than Jiva. Jiva and avidya are one and the same thing because Jiva is the false awareness. I am this body. Um, so, Avidya and maya are both nothing but ego. If we remove ego, all problems are solved. Um, so that's the first question. The second question is, can you elaborate on sat and how it is different from chit? <laughs> I cannot elaborate on that because it is not different from chit. That is, as I mentioned earlier, in verse 23, what Bhagavan said is, sat means what exists. Chit means what is aware. So Bhagavan said, because of the, the non existence of any awareness other than what exists, what exists is its itself awareness. In other words, if chit was something other than sat, it would be, as, it would be asat, it would be non existent. Then it couldn't know anything. A non existent awareness cannot know anything. So, so chit cannot be other than sat. And if sat was something other than chit, it wouldn't know itself, so it would seem to exist only in the view of chit. So, a sat and chit cannot be different. They are one and the same thing. And what is such sat-chit? You are that, tatvamasi. is, we ourselves are what actually exists and what is aware of what actually exists. Because the, what actually exists and the awareness of what actually exists are one and the same thing. That is... Uh, w- Our existence and our awareness of our existence are not two different things. So sat chit is what is always shining in us as the pure awareness I am. That is our pure awareness. That is our pure being. In other words, that is what we actually are. So uh, sat and chit are one and the same thing. Sat means what actually exists. What actually exists? Only the pure awareness I am, which is our own real nature. When Bhagavan says e in Nana in in the seventh paragraph, what I referred to earlier, uh, 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 yatata what actually exists, apmasarupa mandre, is only apmasarupa. Apmasarupa is the real nature of ourself. The real nature of ourself is Chit, which is sat, and sat, which is chit. So sat and chit are inseparable. They're two ways of describing the same thing. That is, what actually exists is only awareness. So what actually exists, that means sat, awareness means chit. So what actually exists is awareness. But the awareness is not the awareness that we call mind. That is, the awareness that knows other things. It is the pure awareness, the awareness that is aware of nothing other than itself. That is the awareness that Bhagavan describes in verse 27 when he says, the awareness that is devoid of awareness and ignorance of other things is the real awareness. So the real awareness is the pure awareness. That itself is sat. Ulladu unavahum, as Bhagavan says in verse 23, or in the Sanskrit version, how does he say it? Satya um, chit, uh, I think. Um yes, sateya he chit. Uh, sateya literally means as awareness. Uh, uh he he means certainly chit uh, uh, is awareness. So that that implies what shines as sat is is certainly awareness. In other words, what actually exists is only awareness. Um and then uh is it related to Jada? Is a fine thing. Jada is the opposite of chit. That is, chit means what is aware, Jada means what is not aware. So, all the reality, what actually exists, is chit. When we rise as ego, we are aware of ourselves as I am this body, and consequently, we're aware of other things. The body and all other things, all objects, all phenomena are jada, they're not aware of anything. So is ego chit or is it jada? It is neither one nor the other. It is a confused mixture of the two. That is why ego is called chit jada granti. That is, ego is the false awareness, I am this body. In other words, it's that which is aware of itself as I am this body. In that, in that adjunct mixed awareness, I am this body, the, the, the I am portion, that is the chit, that is the pure awareness, the awareness that is the, the, the satchit that is, is I am. The body is an adjunct, the body is judder, I am is chit. When these two are mixed and conflated together, when they're taken to be one, that is what is called chit-jada-granti. That is the knot formed by the entanglement of chit and jada. Of course, chit is never actually entangled. But in the view of ego, our awareness seems to be now entangled with this body. We seem to be aware of ourselves as I am this body. I is the name of awareness. That is, awareness is always aware of itself as I. The body doesn't, as Bhagavan says in verse 24 of Uludunaptu, jada udl nane nadu, the, the insentient body does not say I. What he means by it does not say I, it, that's a metaphorical way of saying it is not aware of itself as I. And then in the next sentence he says, satchit udhyadu, satchit does not rise. And then in the third sentence, uh, uh, in between, one thing rises as the extent of a body. Uh, 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 or, or one thing, I, rises as the extent of a body. Nan onju udikum, udlalava, nan onju udikum in between. So when he says in between, he means it's neither the body, which is jada. Nor is it sat-chit which doesn't rise. Why? It's not sat-chit because it rises. It's not the body because it's aware of itself as I. So it's neither the body nor sat-chit, but it takes itself to be both. So it is called chit jara he says. And that chit he, he goes, he, he says, you do chit jara This is bondage. That is, taking ourselves to be this body is bondage. We are binding ourselves, this knot is binding ourselves uh, as to the body. Bandham, a uh, jivan, it is jiva, it is the, the, the individual soul. Uh, uh, nupame, it is the subtle body. Uh, ahande, ego. Ichamsaram, this samsara, that is, samsara is nothing but ego, and uh, um, uh, manam, mind. So, uh, so uh, there is actually no relation between chit and jada at all. Why they seem to be related is because of the spurious entity called ego that rises between the two and mixes them together. And ego is neither the sat chit, nor is it the, the, the body which is jada, but it borrows the properties of both. So, when Bhagavan says in between, it's like... Supposing you read a story in the newspaper and you're doubtful whether that story is true or not. So you ask your friend, is this this story true or is it false? And your friend may say to you, it's neither true nor false. It's somewhere in between. What, What does that mean? It means it's got elements of truth in it. It's got elements of fiction in it. It's neither entirely true nor is it entirely false. It's a mixture of the two. Likewise with ego. Ego is not entirely false because it's got the real element I am. But it's not entirely true either because it's got the false element ego. I mean, uh, this, this body, the Jada portion. So when we investigate ourselves, what we are investigating is the, as Bhagavan said, it's the chick portion of ego that we're investigating. In other words, it's that fundamental awareness I am. By holding on to I am, That is, when we hold on to I am everything else will drop off because this body is not attached. It hasn't attached itself to us. It's we who have attached ourselves to this body. The body isn't holding us. We are holding the body. So if instead of holding the body, if we hold on to our being, the body and all adjuncts will drop off. And that is the state by one referred to in verse uh, 25, in which he said, seeing oneself without adjuncts is seeing God. Because God shines as oneself. So how to see God? Only by clinging to our own being. When we cling to our being, the adjuncts which we were previously clinging to will drop off because we're no longer holding them. And what remains is our pure being, and that is God. So seeing ourselves without adjuncts is seeing God. I hope that's an adequate answer to that question. Om Namo Bhagavati Sri Arana Chalaramanaya.